Well, hello everyone. I am Matt Williamson. How's everyone doing? Hopefully as well as I am. Can't complain today. Nice day out there. Um, my priorities have kind of shifted. This is past week or so up to about yesterday. I was heavy, heavy, heavy into Senior Bowl, heavy into Arthur Smith, heavy into coaching moves around the league, which doesn't concern you as much, but we could bring some of that stuff up over the offseason. Um, and now I'm shifting into Super Bowl mode. I mean, it's now Tuesday. It's time to start really thinking about the matchups in this game. But that's not what we're talking about today. That being said, I'm not a huge better. I don't give you guys like betting advice. But just looking at the Super Bowl MVP setup here, I'm shocked that there's two out there that are such long shots that I suggest you put a couple bucks on. And both are defensive linemen. One of them is Chris Jones to win MVP. Now, I realize if the Chiefs win the MVP or if the Chiefs win the Super Bowl, it's probably going to be Mahomes, of course, or Kelsey, long shot with Taylor Swift in the seats or whatever. I get that. But the interior of the Niners O-line is average at best, and Chris Jones can wreck games. And maybe more importantly, his contract is up after the year. He is a, I don't want to say a hot and cold player, but he can he turns it off and turns it on. He's When he needs it most, he brings it all, and he is a wrecking machine. And I don't want to say he takes plays off, but... He'll put it in neutral from time to time. Well, he's not going to do that on the biggest stage against a bad interior line or an average interior line when he's trying to become the highest paid player of any defensive player in the league after the season. So three bucks, three, I put three bucks on it. Three bucks got you wins you 303 if Chris Jones wins the MVP. If it's plus 10,000, I just don't understand that. It's just such a long shot. Put 50 cents on it. I don't care, but I'm just telling you. Same thing's true with Bosa for the Niners. A $2 bet on Bosa to win MVP wins you 152. It's plus 7,500 for Bosa. And I don't think it's as clear cut if the Niners win that, oh, it's definitely going to be Purdy or, oh, it's definitely going to be McCaffrey. So if this is a low scoring game, I think both these guys have a shot to impact the game greatly. And the Chiefs' tackles are very bad. I mean, they're very grabby. I'm sure they'll let more holding go in this game. You know, that's because they don't want to throw flags left and right. But I think Bosa against those tackles could pay off really well. I mean, if one of these guys has two sacks, I mean, they're going to be in the mix for a $2 bet to win you 152 or a $3 bet to win you 303 so I just wanted to throw that out there. Again, that's not usually my style uh, to talk bets and whatnot. Um, but I just figured that was some interesting stuff. Let's tell you about our friends at Bet Online. Bet Online is your number one source for playoff odds, stats, trends, and lines. With everything from point spreads to hundreds of player performance props, with dozens of odds, props, and info on hundreds of sports, events, politics, and entertainment, you can access the world's best wagering information anytime from your desktop or your mobile device. Head to Bet Online today to stay updated on all the action. Bet Online, the game starts here. So yesterday, I got a lot of responses from you guys 
feeling better about the Arthur Smith hire. And I forget who it was, I apologize, but wrote me a note saying, boy, that was really good information about Drake London's team target share and all the uncatchable balls that were thrown Pitts' way. And he asked me, he said, how does Pitts' team target share compare to the other top tight ends in the league? So I'm like, oh, that's a great question. I probably should have included that. I should have dug into that. And it so happens he has a 16.2% target share last year for the Falcons. So if the Falcons drop back, there was a 16% chance it was headed Pitts' way. Whether it's catchable or not, most of them weren't. An amazing rate. Again, listen to yesterday's pod for that. But that was 13th amongst all tight ends. I mean, guys like Kelsey were ahead of him, of course. All the names you would think. I mean, so he was 13th amongst tight ends in team target share. Which, hey, that's like we want to see. And again, this all stems from the knock that Arthur Smith never gets his good players the ball. Yeah, he does. Yeah, I mean, yes, he does. <laughs> I mean, there's not much way around it. I mean, it doesn't always end in completions for poor Kyle Pitts. But the plays are designed and the concepts are there to get his best players the football. Speaking of play calling, I, I found this mind-boggling too. You know, again, I was talking about how I've done a lot of coaching stuff and Arthur Smith and all these things. So you talk about offensive play callers. It is a short, short lifespan in the NFL now. So there are only one, two, three, four, five, six current play callers out of 32 that have done it for three years or more with their team that are going into their fourth season of being their team's play caller. So if you're not great at it and you get fired, if you're okay at it, you might get hired to be a head guy. If you're really good at it, you're definitely going to get hired to be a head guy. And all the ones that are the only offensive play callers going into their fourth season calling plays with their current team, Zach Taylor with the Bengals, Kevin Stefanski with the, the Browns. They're all head coaches, by the way. Matt LaFleur, Andy Reid, Sean McVay, Kyle Shanahan two of whom are playing on Sunday. Does that mean that's the only way to get the Super Bowl? I don't think so, but nor do I think it's a coincidence. It's a nice thing to have. But my point is stability at the offensive play caller is basically non-existent in this league. A couple other things I want to talk about real quick. There, I'm leaning more and more towards the Steelers should probably sign a quarterback. I don't think that's going to be Kirk Cousins or anything like that. And maybe draft a fourth round quarterback, give or take. A couple names to throw out there just to be aware of. I'm not going to dig into their scouting reports, but these are guys that I'm interested in is Tua's brother. I mean, I think Tua is a really interesting player. Had a good East-West Shrine game from what I understand. As did Kentucky's Devin Leary. He's a really talented player, too, that could use some work, could use a, a year or two sitting on the bench. And Spencer Rattler, who did a really nice job in the Senior Bowl. I've mentioned him before. So those are some names I'm kind of starting to dig into. I'm going to do more homework on them. I may change my tune. Who knows? But I think those are guys to consider that have some upside that aren't going to cost you an arm and a leg on draft day. Speaking of team needs, I look at when – I, when I, try, I haven't really built my approach to Steeler team needs quite yet because I need to know the draft better. I need to know free agency better. And that'll really be my focus 
pretty much as soon as the whistle ends for the Super Bowl. But I do have a pretty good feel for it. And this is what, what, and this is a Kevin Colbert thing, but it's not unique to Kevin, obviously. But I love to build a plan that can take advantage of the strengths of the draft. Free agency comes before the draft. So use free agency so you can fish in the biggest of pools on draft day. And if the Steelers need positions, this looks like a pretty darn good corner draft and a lot of first round options for where they pick at corner. It's an unbelievable offensive tackle draft. And then I would really like to set this thing up that they can grab some sort of offensive tackle that is just so hard to find most years, but not this year. It's a really good center draft, but much like the Creed Humphrey Kendrick Green year, there's still only three or four that you would consider starters, and the chances you're getting them are not slim, but you can look around the league and see who is center needy and who isn't. But it's a smaller pool, of course, you know, but it's a good group of centers. And it's a really good wide receiver class, as it has been, all of which I think are Steeler needs. Now, again, just big positional overviews here. It is not a good off-the-ball linebacker uh, draft, and it's not a great safety draft. Like, I'm not saying you can't find guys in the third and fourth round that would help the Steelers' needs. not saying that at all. But those positions, traditionally, and I think that'll hold up, especially at safety this year, you can get at a pretty good price in free agency. So I'm leaning more and more to spending a little bit of money on a linebacker, a Quan Alexander plus, you know, to be part of a trio and a starting safety. I mean, someone better than KZ, better than Neil. But my problem with that is I don't love with the way this team is built, but unfortunately it's just the way the draft is set up to use the money and free agency for defense because you're already old and expensive on defense. I don't want to get too old and expensive on defense. You know what I'm saying? But sometimes you just got to play the cards that are dealt to you. And I think going fishing for a safety and linebacker and free agency would be smart. I mean, I'm not talking about breaking the bank, but a quality player. I'd also consider you know going big on a corner, but that's a different story for a different day. Um, and then I think you'd love to draft receiver, center, tackle, probably corner as well. So that's the first step of things to think about. If you notice, I didn't mention defensive line. I have mixed feelings how to handle the D-line. I don't know if they'll keep Ogunjobi. I tend to think they will. And if you do that, I know this is dangerous. I've mentioned before. I think you kind of run back D-line with what you have, including like a Watts and or Adams that are free agents. And hope to squeeze another year out of it and then attack it like crazy next year. Because also, this defensive tackle draft is not very good. I know a lot of people are saying, this is a year you have to grab D-line, another young one put next to Benton. I got no problem with that. But you can't have everything. <laughs> you know, there's only You only get one first-round pick. You only get one second-round pick. I mean, there's these needs get filled very quickly. So, that's just some of my thoughts here. I just figured kind of a random podcast today. Throw some things out that I've been thinking about. Take care. Over and out. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? 
That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.